and welcome to the Common Good Podcast, the podcast that showcases the very best of Glasgow Caledonian University and explores how the institution, its staff and its research benefits people and communities, both at home and overseas. My name is Craig Telfer and today I am joined by Chioma Noafor, a lecturer in financial services, to talk about her new study, The Paradox of Educational Attainment and Income Slash Poverty, Has the Nexus Broken?, which examines why there is a disparity between the calibre of education and income amongst Scottish Africans. Chioma, it's wonderful to welcome you onto the podcast. Great to speak to you today. Thank you. Now, let's start by looking at your study. Can you give us an overview of the paradox of educational attainment and income slash poverty? What is the study all about? So what we tried to do was to look at the socioeconomic status of Africans living in Scotland. And we focused on five key dimensions of socioeconomic status, namely income, employment, educational attainment, wealth accumulation, and housing status. That was what we did. And then we looked at previous research, and we found that uh, documented evidence suggests that higher educational attainment could actually lead to better labor market outcomes. Okay. So higher educational attainment would, in effect, Mm -hmm. remove someone from poverty, but via the income channel. So we tried to look at the case for Africans. And why did we focus on Africans? That's one question that I get all the time. We focused on Africans living in Scotland or Scottish Africans because we realized that the ethnic communities in, in, in Scotland are varied in terms of their socioeconomic outcomes. So there are substantial differences between Africans, Asians, and Caribbeans, and even between them. You find differences in socioeconomic outcomes between the Africans and the Caribbeans, for instance. So given this level of heterogeneities, we felt that it would be important to highlight these differences. Mm And we found previous studies, for instance, that have tried to categorize these ethnic groupings into using BAMI or BME. We found that such categorizations actually mask the differences, substantial differences in socioeconomic outcomes. So in order to actually understand how these different ethnicities or ethnic groupings fair in terms of their socioeconomic outcomes, in terms of other key issues, it's very important to conduct a more granular research. Mm -hmm. And that was why we focused on Africans. So tell me about previous studies then that had only focused on the BME community. And was that data then flawed? In a way it is. It's 100% flawed because the BME is, is black. The B there is black. And because we are from continental Africa, right? People from continental Africa are not blacks. Black would further perpetuate the legacy of slavery. And that is what we have fought to differentiate. We want to make that distinction between black and Africans. People, it's okay if they feel like that for African Americans to answer black because they don't know which part of Africa. Most of them don't even know where they, their forefathers or ancestors came from. But for people like us, who I'm from Nigeria, so it's unfair to call me black when I'm African. 
So you could call me a Nigerian or an African. And if we collect, the, the, the first stage to trying to address a problem is data collection. Mm -hmm. If your data collection is flawed, what it means is that your final conclusion will be flawed because your premise is flawed. So we try to collect data on Africans to start to make that differentiation. There's massive difference between Africans and Caribbeans. Mm -hmm. There's a massive difference between Africans and Asians in terms of socioeconomic outcomes and labor market outcomes as well. Could you explain some of those differences? Okay, for instance, we see latest uh, data uh, from England, really, showing that the Chinese community, for instance, have closed actually the gap between the pay gap, pay disparity, right? And then you find also Asians are doing well in core indices, in core areas, employment, income, and, and all those stuff. But when you, you look at Africans, first, data collection. You don't have such data. <laughs> you don't have such data. So you can't even make such. You, you see, the BAME classification, you have the black, then you have the Asians, you have the Bangladeshi, Pakistani. So if you're talking, you say, yeah, Bangladeshi. Pakistani, this, but you don't have Africans. Now, I want to specifically or specially applaud the uh, 2022 Scottish ethnicity classification because it's now the standard for data collection. So that will begin to address these data uh, mistakes, if mm -hmm. you like, or what I like to call data transparency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or data justice. <laughs> <laughs> so then tell me about your own study then. How did you carry it out? So what we did was to collect primary data from Scottish Africans, and not just people with, with uh, British or Scottish passports, but with Africans, all Africans living in different parts of Scotland. So we collected data from people living in Aberdeen, Stirling, Glasgow, and, and all that, uh, primary data. Then we conducted two lived experiences interviews, and one focus group. That was how we collected our primary data. We had over 300 respondents. So okay. it was, yeah, the sample size was, was good, relatively good. And what we did was to use both empirical and descriptive uh, statistics to address this, to try and answer these questions. In terms of the descriptive statistics, what we did basically was to interview these people. And it might interest you to know that in our lived experiences interview, we had about five doctorate degree mm -hmm. holders. We have master's degree holders. We had college graduates. We had other different categories of people in the lived experiences interview. Then for our empirical data analysis, we use the uh, cumulative ordinal regression. It's a type of statistical test okay. that we used, yeah. To, to test whether there are statistical significant differences between educational attainment and income. What were some of the common themes then that came away from these interviews in the focus yeah, group? Yeah, that's, that's a very interesting question because a, a dominant theme was the inability of these people to secure jobs that are equivalent mm -hmm. to their level of uh, academic attainment. So one of, one of the people, one of the respondents say, told us that during the lived experiences interview, told us that he was not able to get the job 
five years after graduating with a PhD, right, in, a, in one university from uh, Dundee, in Dundee. And uh, what happened was he said he applied to over 100, over 100 universities searching for a job, and he couldn't secure a job. And we, we wanted to know what was their reason. Yeah. So were you invited? He said he was invited to about 15 after making over 100 applications. And then each time he gets this, this rejection letter on this occasion, we are unable. And, and the, the sad thing is most of these rejections will not give him feedback. Right, okay. So where do I improve? What do I do mm-hmm. to, to better my lot or my chances? As at the time we did this review, he, he was working as a security guard. So he had to remove his PhD from his name to be able to secure that job. Really? Yes. And then we had this other lady with a six years banking experience okay. from Ghana before migrating to Scotland. He couldn't get a job in the banking sector. Her African experience amounted to nothing. Why is that the case then? Why are these people who have got good qualifications yeah. applying for jobs and not getting them? Is there any explanation I, that you can give? Yeah, I think it's... A, the, part of what I think, right, would be racial discrimination. Okay. Yeah. The, 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 the only challenge here is it's very difficult to pin down bias and discrimination in labor market because of, obviously, the social implications uh, and it's illegal in, in a way. And then it's a social taboo to do that. Now, but we have also seen evidence from a, a field experiment where you had the, the authors or the, the people conducting the experiment uh, removing uh, people's names, mm-hmm. right? Okay. And then lo- doing something like uh, uh, people whose names sound like the ethnic majority and then people whose names sound different from the ethnic majority. So you will find somebody like Chioma Wanfo, right? And then you will find somebody like John Smith. Okay. Now, it's a, it's a field experiment, really. So what they did was to find out whether there are biases mm-hmm. in terms of these names. And they found that the response rate, that's callback rate, for this their inter, their field experiment was about 1.7 a ratio of 1.7 to 1 okay what that means is that for every 1.7 application uh, letters submitted by an ethnic minority an ethnic majority with ethnic majority sounding name would just write one so it would take somebody like me 1.7 or that's the literal interpretation of the, what that may, means so you find that that labor market imperfections could be one of such reasons, mm-hmm. right? And we have human biases. People tend to gravitate towards people that look like them. So the, the issue is how do we deal with such challenges to make the, particularly the hiring phase, much more transparent mm-hmm. and fair. So how do we do that then? There are... No easy solutions. <laughs> no easy solutions. But one, one of these solutions, and this is something that I have t- uh, thought about so, so much, is the use of what I call 
deracialized artificial intelligence. Okay. Yeah, deracialized artificial intelligence or machine learning uh, models. So these models, you you don't program them to, you don't train these models to pick names. You just train them to pick the best candidates who has got the qualifications you're looking for. Because they are AI, you have already trained them. So if, the, if you're looking for a PhD, for instance, if it's an academic position, so you're looking for somebody that has got two publications, a PhD, you just write all those uh, person and uh, uh, academic specifications, the model is able to pick that from all the series. Okay. So that reduces the level of human bias. But there's a caveat to that because we have also seen that, that's why I say deracialized, that some of these models are trained to be racist. Really? Yes. How, in what way? In okay, what way? This, this is a technical area in, in, in terms of, because I don't, I don't want to go deep into uh, artificial learning and of machine course, learning. Of course, yeah. But, yeah. but, but uh, let me explain it from a layman's point of view. So machine learning models are trained. They are computers. They are trained or algorithms that are trained to behave like human mind, to mimic human beings, human neurons. So what they do is, they will supply the algorithm with lots of data sets, and we call that training data sets, okay. right? So this training data set could be you supply them with different types of CVs, and then they will just be learning from those CVs, learning to pick the keywords. Right, So okay. the key terms that could be, a P, a, I have a PhD in looking at somebody's CV, they will find PhD, they pick that. They find a publication, they pick that. They find name, they discard that. Because you don't want names. You just mm -hmm. want the attributes. Yeah. Who are the people or candidates with the core attributes you're looking for? But there are other mo models, algorithms, that could be trained to pick names. And then we land at the same mm -hmm. problem again. You've touched on this, Choma, but what are some of the, the key findings from this study and what are the key findings and how can we how can we put them into practice? All right, the key the key findings uh, first we found from our exploratory data analysis, we found four pathways to poverty for okay. this people group. Yeah. One of the first pathway is labor market imperfection. So their high level of ad educational attainment does not translate to their labor market outcomes. Then two, we found severe personal debt burdens. Then three, we found that these sample population, right, they've got very weak financial resilience because of the low income and poor savings we found in the data. Mm -hmm. So very weak financial resilience. Sorry to interrupt, but what does financial resilience mean? Fi okay, financial resilience is simply a term that we use to refer to uh, someone's ability to buffer shock in income. Ah, got you. Yeah. Like, so if your washing machine breaks and how, how easy it is to get a replacement get, washing exactly, machine. Exactly. Got you. Got exactly. You. That, that's what that means. So, and if you have very poor savings, you're weak. Mm -hmm. your, financially, uh, your financial resilience is very low. Because look at what happened in, in COVID-19. Oh, yeah. So the, 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 the shelter-at-home order and the, the, the lockdown, if that's the, the word they use, meant that a lot of people couldn't go out to work. So that's loss, loss of income. Mm -hmm. If you had no savings, how do you navigate such a shock? 
So we found that very majority of the, the respondents had very low savings. And that's what we call weak financial mm -hmm. resilience. And then we found mono-income dependency. Mono-income dependency is that a lot of them depending on one source of income, which is also quite terrible if, if you look at no savings, just one source of income, something happens, you're going to struggle. Mm -hmm. So that's what we found from the exploratory data uh, analysis. Then from the empirical data analysis, we found where we tested the relationship between high educational attainment and income. Mm -hmm. We found a statistically negative relationship. Okay. Inverse relationship. What that means is that the more you, you acquire, the more educational uh, attainment you get, the higher the chances of you ending up in lower income. That spectrum. Listening to that, that doesn't make sense to me. It's a paradox. How, how, yeah, how do we then, then how do we, how do we close this paradox? How do we stop it from happening? Yeah, it, they, and, and I, I've said that. Uh, we, we found that a lot of our lived experiences interviewed, they, they told us so many stories, right? And some of these stories, you could find an element of discriminations, an element of, could I say, trust. So you, you came with a certificate from, let's say, wherever, right? An employer might not be confident that you are able to translate what is on the certificate to in, in the real job, right? That could be part of it. And then most importantly, and that's the area where I was talking about AI using mm -hmm. the racialized artificial intelligence algorithm in, in the selection process. That is real for most so for some of us ethnic minorities your name already, already you are being discriminated your name already you have different accents you have i mean people like to be comfortable with people they know and don't get me wrong right biases is an innate part of humans until but if we address it in a more very open manner we are conscious of that mm -hmm. and we want to challenge those negative stereotypes we want to challenge that and that's why i say to people there are no easy solutions to these things but for me the first step is let's get the data right from the sound of things it seems like we also need a new term to replace bame yes in scotland is actually uh, and, and i just love what they are doing here to be honest scotland for now I, I don't know if I might be wrong, but Scotland for now it is the only place where people from continental Africa are recognized as Africans. You won't believe that. <laughs> you won't believe that. Scotland as of now, because the 2022 classification, uh, ethnicity classification framework has that. And it's now the standard for data collection. So it, it's, it's getting a new term to replace BAMI. Just nothing like that. We need to get the data right. And, and that's where we start to solve these issues. That gives us a real a sense of, okay, how many Africans are in managerial positions? Not BAMI or BME. And when we get the data collection right, if we are looking at disparity, racial disparities, we are then asking the question, how many Africans are in 
higher managerial positions? How many Asians? How many Pakistani? Even the Asians are having a field day because within the Asians, you have Pakistani, Bangladeshi, India. So you have that granulity. You, you, they collect their data in a, in a more granular way mm -hmm. than the way they collect Africans. They, initially, we used to be lumped as black. I am a, a council member of the African Council here in, in, in Scotland. And we have worked for two decades, 20 years, to be recognized as Africans in Scotland. And it paid off in mm -hmm. 2022 census. It paid off in 2022 census. Because the first step to addressing a problem is to call the problem by its name. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's, that's one part of it. Then another part of it is this open conversation we are having. So when we know that these things exist, then we are honest in saying, how do we address this, these issues? Because I have said in different places that we are not asking for tokenism. You know what it means? Where, oh, affirmative action or positive action, if mm -hmm, you like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because she's African. No, because you will be putting the ethnic majority in disadvantage. We are all human beings with the same faculties, with the same internal organ. So we should be... We, we should all have equality of opportunity, mm. not equality of outcomes. Do you think we're moving in a positive direction then to achieve this? Yeah. In Scotland, yes. I'm, I'm very confident because, like I said to you, if you go down south, right, they still use BME, BAMI, or black minority ethnic in their classification. But here, we're no longer using that. And this podcast is part of my our ways of saying that to mm -hmm. the wider Scottish people that this is no longer acceptable. Mm -hmm. If you want to collect data, go back to 2022 ethnicity classification and use that because that's data justice. It seems like a, an obvious thing for data scientists in England to address and to correct because as you said earlier, if your data collection is flawed, then your outcomes will be flawed as well. So these are the things that you should be looking to address yeah. to get better results. Exactly, exactly. That's, that's the first step. You need to get that right. And once you get that right, then you have that conversation of disparities. That would allow you to find areas. Where are the areas? Which ethnic group is doing well? Which ones are lagging behind? Why are they lagging behind? Is it because they don't have equal access to opportunity? Because equal access to f outcomes can never, it's not possible. That, that depends on you, who you are, your innate abilities, right? So we're not advocating, personally I'm not advocating equality of outcome because that would be unfair to others. But we are saying equality of opportunity. Tell me a bit about yourself then, Chomo. How long have you been at Glasgow Caledonia University for? I've been here for a little over five years now. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I, I did my PhD at uh, Adam Smith Business School, University of, Gla uh, University of Glasgow. Yeah. And uh, I joined GCU, I think in 2016 or, or 17. Okay. Yeah. I joined GCU and I am currently the undergraduate program lead for a finance investment and risk program. Okay, you enjoying it? Yeah, I am. I am. I'm enjoying it. And then I I lead I'm the convener for 
Diaspora African Women's Support Network, the yep. community interest company. Yeah, tell me about that. What does that involve? Yeah, the, the Diaspora African Women's Support Network is just a platform that we created for African women to, to achieve their potentials. And what we do actually is to use research, technical and vocational uh, pieces of training, and then mentoring to address some of these social issues, particularly inequalities and poverty. That's what we do in Dawson. And that's in line with GCU's ethos of common good. Of course, yeah, that, yeah. that sounds, I, I think it, that's one of the things I enjoy most. It's like, yeah. this, this is the common good podcast. And, and that, that every, in fact, everything that we're doing here, everything yeah. that we've spoken about today, mm-hmm. that really sounds like it aligns with the university's mission. Yeah, exactly. That, that's, that's perfectly, my activities actually in the community, is, it's, it's all about common good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's using what I've got and what my other women, I, I, by the way, I work with a very vibrant group of women, four of them are, okay, three of them are doctors, PhDs. Uh, one of my co-authors, I forgot to say that, uh, Dr. Thelma Okoya Dibi, is an academic here as well. She, she's a lecturer in, uh, in our department, but she's more a lecturer in risk, not finance. So these women are using their talent to help and support other women within the African community. That's what we do in Dawson. Yeah. Well, Choma, thank you so much for your time today. It was absolutely brilliant to talk to you. Thank you very much. I would Thanks also like, no pleasure. It's going to be a great podcast and it's been great. To, so much better to do these things face to face than it is online. So I really, really enjoyed that. Wow. And, and I'd also like to thank everyone for tuning into today's episode. And I hope you'll be able to join us next time when we'll be in conversation with another member of the GCU community about their work, their career, and a little bit more. The views expressed in the Common Good podcast are that of the researcher and those taking part and don't necessarily represent the views of Glasgow Caledonian University. In the meantime, please subscribe to this podcast. You can get every single episode sent straight to your listening device by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and pretty much everywhere else. Until the next time, I've been Craig Telfer and this has been the Common Good podcast. Mm -hmm.